Hello there, welcome to episode 8 of the Inward Matrix podcast. And tonight we've got uh, a double treat. We've got the second um, chat with wonderful Josh Ramsey, all the way from Cape Town in South Africa. And um, the, the, the double half of this treat is we're going to be talking about deep subjects um, concerning trauma, healing and responsibility. So, you know, quite quite a broad category in life. Um, both of us have worked for several years, many years, as, as healers, and uh, uh, Reiki healers particularly. This is a subject that's close to both of our hearts, and uh, I think kind of Josh is going to, he's carefully prepared some, some topics to talk about, um, so we, we're just going to kind of let things go with the flow um, as much as we can, and I hope that you'll enjoy this uh, as much as we enjoyed making it. Oh, here we go. Okay, hello, ladies and gentlemen, whoever else may be listening. Um, I'm very absolutely delighted to welcome Josh Ramsey back with us from Cape Town. How are you? How are you doing, Josh? Hey, David. It's so good to be back. Yeah, great to have you. <laughs> and um, we we thought that um, after the, the the good feedback and the, the positive vibes we got from the last episode, we thought this might be good to to have a a regular. Uh, kind of powwow together so uh yeah it, it's got to be a good thing really because some of the stuff is 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 really you know a, a really hot topics uh for, for this kind of incredible year of 2020 um so mm-hmm. t- tonight i think um the main subjects are going to be uh trauma healing and responsibility um well for all of those as well so, uh, Josh, would you like to kick us off by, um, in, in this very deep subject, by, you know, suggesting where we might kind of uh, shine the light of wisdom and, uh, first of all, please, where are we going to start? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, this is such a, a pertinent, these topics are so pertinent for right now, um, you know, for what we're all going through as, as a collective uh-huh. on the planet. And um, yeah, I mean, there, there are basically three sort of categories uh, in trauma, you know, which is the personal, personal trauma, mm-hmm. uh, the ancestral trauma, and then we have the collective trauma. Yeah. And uh, obviously the ancestral and collective kind of interlink somehow. Um, I think it'll be good to, to start off on speaking about the collective and and what's really been happening this year yeah um because we've been seeing such a, a huge movement um within the sphere mm. yeah of course it, it's, been, it's been massive hasn't it so far and, it, and we're still not anywhere near finished yet yeah we've only just begun yeah, <laughs> yeah literally we've only, we've just, only begun. just begun yeah we have Okay, so um, in terms of like collective trauma, um, what do you think is happening to us uh, as a humanity as a whole? Well, I think that we are we definitely waking up, um, you know, as as consciousness as we we gain uh, an increased level of consciousness, we become aware of more of the things that we've been doing unconsciously, I guess. And, and, and that includes, you know, 
all of these conditioned patterns and belief systems and uh, and behaviors around the theme of of trauma and and what we've gone through as as collective and and uh, you know different people groups and and stuff and you know things like that. Um, so yeah, I think that there there's now this kind of shift towards coming to an understanding of of what what we've been conditioned to believe, uh-huh. um, and there's a questioning, I think, and and kind of a correcting of of the wrongs of the past. And I mean, we can see that in things like the BLM, the Black Lives Matter movement, yes. that's really kicked off this year. Um, you know, the dismantling of the the racist kind of structures, uh, the oppressive structures, mm-hmm. uh, systemic racism, um, you know, the removal of these statues all around the world, yeah, yeah. which for some may seem like a small thing, but, you know, on a deeper energetic level, these physical structures, um, the removal of them has sort of significant, a significant effect um, on a metaphysical level. Yes. Because if you think, really think about it, everything in this world you know, we are, we are first, everything is, you know, of spirit, is spiritual, it's of the occult in this world system as well, mm-hmm. especially. And so there are different symbol, symbolisms and, and placeholders for energy, mm-hmm. good and bad. And I think these, these sort of uh, structures and statues of, of uh, people who were really instrumental in, the, in perpetrating you know the abuse and yeah. and uh, you know millions of people. The, the removal of them has a significant effect on the whole collective and energetically as well. So it's a huge uh, shift in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, but in my view, I mean it's something that a lot of people have never thought about. And these statues have been all over our cities for generations, hundreds of years, and so on. But the the the, like you say, the metaphysical representation that they have is, is in is in a physical form, and these have been paid for by the governments, by the state, by private individuals, and this is a way of immortalizing people that, oh, right? Some of them may have done some beneficial things in their lives, maybe through guilt, or whatever. You know, maybe somebody was a slave trader or a warmonger or so on. They may have later done things that were good, that would look good on their CV, their eternal CV, as I call it. Um, And then that's been taken as, oh, well, this person did so much good, but let's just overlook what a disgusting psychopath they were. (laughs) You know, enslaving, killing, Mm. letting people die. Uh, And and it it just seems like, well, yeah, there has to be a point where that's, that's got to stop. But my point is also, what do you replace that with? Because it's it's it's, mm. it's okay. Um, some people in the agenda, the globalists, want to destroy certain parts of history. I mean, if they destroy those negative parts, I'm fine with that. But it's what we replace mm. it with next. So I think we, as a as a humanity, as a race, as a, one race, we should decide what goes mm. in, in a positive aspect to replace it for our children's sake and for their children's sake. Mm. 
Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to get other nasty ideals uh, replacing, yeah. replacing it. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, but we've got to think carefully about. Yeah, it's it's one thing to get rid of these uh, negative icons, but mm. what what do we we need to demand? In my opinion, that it's replaced mm. with something better that is is wholly good. Maybe yes. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean that that definitely comes with conversation. Yeah. Um, and do you think there will be that conversation? Do you think there will be that conversation, Josh, or will it just be uh, that you know it'll be replaced with something even more kind of covertly sinister if we don't get mm. you know? Well, in touching back on our, our first uh, chat in the first podcast, you know, we oh, spoke yeah, about yeah. how well I, I said, you know, in how I foresee the near future and how, mm. you know, kind of communities rising up and taking more control of things. And I definitely think that that is something that will happen where there will be a kind of a, yeah. a, a general consensus in communities around what we, Ideally. what we want to, to have um, and what we want to actually immortalize. And, and that's going to be, needs to be something that is positive and something to look up to and uh, actual role models yeah and a quick point to mention society as well. quick point as well how many of these statues of, uh, that were being taken down how many of them of men and how many of women <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, how many women how many women slave owners are immortalized well i'm sure there might have been some but i'm you know, I'm saying basically 99% of them are mm. going to be of men, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. So and that's going, yeah, yeah we're going back to the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, the patriarchy. No. Right, let's go forward yeah. instead of back. <laughs> it's just a point I wanted to raise, you know. I didn't see any statues of women being pulled out. In fact, I, I rarely recall seeing a statue of, mm. of a woman in public outside of Liverpool where on um, one of the streets there's a statue of Eleanor Rigby, who was in fact a fictional character. <laughs> But that's one of the only ones I've seen. You know, you rarely see them, do you? Yeah. Okay, so... I mean, it could also be because... Because... Yeah, they weren't really... Well, it could be because... Seen as really that important. Of course, because the the patriarchy, you know, is like... Yeah. If you look back through history, you don't have to look back very far to see a time, even a few decades ago, when women had virtually no rights whatsoever... You know, the suffragette movement only happened at the start of the 20th century. And, mm. you know, we're still nowhere near where we should be. Okay, so... Yeah. Um, so going on from there, like coll- collective trauma, um, these are things we're going to have to think about, aren't they? And as you said, we, we need to do that collectively in our communities. Um what what else have you uh, have you got to raise about the, the collective? Josh? I think the you know COVID nineteen another example of collective trauma, mm. um, and and you know, as an empath, you know empaths we we feel we attached in so deeply into the collective uh, consciousness. Mm. I myself have been really feeling 
feeling the effects, uh, you know, physically as well you know, over the past few months. Uh, yeah. Because of this sort of all of this, you know, fear and panic and, and trauma of the collective of what's been happening, uh, all of these global events. Yeah. Uh, this year, that's really been so. It's it's you know it's kind of induced a state of of perpetual anxiety. Mm. Um, so on, on, on that front, you know, COVID-19 has really been a huge, another thing that we as a collective have been going through this year. Um, have you seen the scientific reports from places like Brazil and Spain and so on, where they're saying that, uh, They've, they've been studying samples of wastewater because they, they do this governments and, and um, uh, kind of collect this data. Uh, so in Spain and uh, I think Brazil, they said that they collected samples of SARS-2 or COVID-19 um, as, mm. as early as uh, October and November 2019 through the wastewater. And in Spain, uh, they've got in multiple cities and regions They've got samples of it in the wastewater uh, from March 2019. So oh, wow. it has been with us a lot longer. Um, my own personal opinion is that um, once this was kind of out there, um, then it's been used for political advantage and to have a reconstitution of political aims and uh, uh, a restructuring of government, particularly here in the UK, where we've, we've mm. basically had a silent coup that nobody's seen while all this is going on. It's still going on, um, but under the guise of us getting out of Europe, um, we, we literally have no democracy left. So I'm sure a lot of other countries are taking advantage of that as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's been around longer than, than we think. Um, but yeah, you were saying in terms of collective trauma, what it's done to people, um, I know. Yeah. yeah th th how do you feel that um, the media's played a big part in that and uh, basically being private corporate media, not the people's media? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I got to the stage where I, I completely, completely tuned out of watching the news, mm. uh, reading articles and, and stuff, looking at the stats. It's. Yeah. No, it's all just fear-inducing, and I've yeah. I've just found that it's really, you know, it does more harm than than good. At the end mm. of the day, um, so I've completely just blocked myself off. I mean, obviously, I'll see some things on my timeline if I'm scrolling on Facebook. Um, that's yeah. basically the only place that I really see news. Yeah. Um, okay. But other than that, it's you know the, the media is really just kind of, you know, they tend to blow things out of proportion, but also they just kind of keep on with the same sort of fear-based narrative. And, uh, well, it's ways of mind control, isn't it? It's, it's mass mind control, mass gaslighting, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, keep, keep us all in, a, in, a, in that state of fear. Yeah. It, it, um, it's terrible here in the UK. The, the, they actually have what they call the behavioural behavioral insights team, which is a part of our intelligence service, which is there to impose a threat on people. They've actually said this in the memos publicly. 
they've said uh, a, couple, a couple of months ago they said um, we do not see that there is a sufficiently perceived threat yet enough of this virus from the public so we need to do more to increase that that's basically like saying you're not frightened <laughs> enough we need to scare the shit out of you even more <laughs> and yeah. they're doing this publicly but it's not in the mainstream media mm. um, so how do, you, how do you feel that people personally Josh can recover from this type of ongoing collective trauma because it seems to be coming in waves now doesn't it Mm. You know, I think it's, it really is in the small things that you can do. I mean, we can't do much to change what's going on in the world. Mm. Um, so it's about taking the, the opportunity to do those small little things, um, like, you know, keeping a daily practice to keep grounded and to protect your energy. You know, and that mm. can be anything from exercising to mindfulness meditation, um, to dancing, you know, something to keep you grounded. And then that dancing's good, yeah. <laughs> you know, limiting your your exposure to social media mm. as well, because, you know, everyone has been just you know, especially with all the lockdowns and stuff, you know, everyone's just been online and spewing all of their own sort of thoughts and ideas and yeah. and uh, there's been yeah it's just this bombardment constant bombardment of energy and, and a lot of negative energy as well and uh, from people mm -hmm. so you know keeping your distance in that sense as well is, is really is, is a good thing to do um, I guess it's just boundaries I guess and that you you need to set up for yourself protect your energy yeah. and self-care yeah yeah and that hits an important point uh which is one that's i think has been going on kind of spiritually since the dawn of time is it where you know kind of gurus and people out there wise men and wise women have always said no don't just look outside yourself look inside yourself and in a way mm. it's challenged this time has challenged us all to, to to focus inwards whether we meditate whether we practice mindfulness or yoga, or whether we go running, or we go yeah. walk in nature, and I think that is a thing you got. You got to think about, um, like it came up in a conversation today, and I said to somebody, "All the answers that you need are inside yourself, and they are. You've just got to be able to let them yeah. out somehow." Um, Absolutely. And then there's the. Uh, sorry, go on. No, I was I was just about to say that we, you know, when we, we are being given that opportunity to to oh, dig yeah. deeper and yeah, uh, take it, <laughs> a lot of those things are are surfacing, whether we want to do it or not. Take it, take it. Whether we welcome them or not, you know, yeah. they are just you know showing up in our lives, and you know, it's an opportunity for for some real growth and expansion. Yeah, and healing. It's an odd thing, isn't it? If somebody said to me a year ago, right, next year, in about six, seven months' time, uh, you might not have as much money, but you'll have a lot of time to meditate and read books and, and to digest wisdom. You'll have time to do podcasts as much as you want. You'll have time to do all, all these things, to walk in nature and that. Would you take that? And I'd, I'd have gone, yeah, shit, yeah, hell yeah. As long as I can still kind of survive and, and, and you know, mm -hmm. see my son and eat and see my family and, and my friends occasionally, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, you know, we, we still managed to connect with people. So 
it's yeah, it's just the manner of how that's been delivered uh, artificially. <laughs> I suppose yes. it's not so unpalatable, but that's that's me finally coming through this, trying to take the positives out of it as well. Mm. Um, and you have to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna go. You're gonna go into denial. Yeah. You're gonna close your heart <laughs> off. You're gonna go crazy. You're gonna sit all day watching Netflix and drinking beer and just kind of or doing whatever you're doing and just. You know, some people smoke weed. Some people kind of do anything to cook to cover up that connection yeah. to their inner self. Um, that you know, banana bread. <laughs> banana bread. Well, yeah, the carbohydrates will, will eventually. You know, <laughs> too much of anything, Josh. <laughs> even, yeah. even banana bread. You know, <laughs> it depends on what, what recipe it is. I'm maybe being a bit harsh. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Um, would you do you do you what do you think about um we talked about the collective consciousness what do you think about the in terms of that uh, subsection of the the subconscious collective that we're, we all have which is the bigger part of humanity that's probably in a roundabout way created the situation in the first place mm. i mean the the current state of consciousness you mean yeah, yeah, you know, that the, sort of collective unconscious, the subconscious mind, the the, the gut, yeah. the gut of humanity. <laughs> you know how we digest and process yeah. things: our own pain, yeah. our own happiness, our own misery, our own wants, our own needs. Everything, it all gets digested through the subconscious mind, and we we're not we, mm. we don't see that happening. Stimulus stimuli go in yeah. to the subconscious mind, often without our knowing. We might have an emotional response to a situation or a person or something, and we might our mind might go, "No, that's wrong. You can't do that, or you can't have that." But it still goes in. You're still eating it. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you think about the fact that you know we we could have by acquiescing a lot of our power and energy over the past few years and decades? How do you think we mm. we, we as a as a humanity as a whole could have allowed some of this stuff that's unfolding to happen you know i was actually um i was actually watching a, a podcast with russell brand and, and eckhart toll oh, yeah, yeah. the other day and uh eckhart toll is basically is my favorite spiritual teacher he's excellent and uh he said something really profound that it just kind of i remembered mm. um about awakening and he said something like, sometimes if, you know, you, you know, we have two options of, of how to awaken. Sometimes in life you, you can move, you can go forward with positive experiences. Yeah. Um, but sometimes also you need to experience setbacks and yeah. um, mm -hmm. disorder and chaos yeah. in order for this something new to be birthed and for you to awaken. And yeah. um, that's basically what I feel has been going on is this sort of um, it's this, it's like you said before this, you know, it's like a, birth, a birthing process mm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, but because we weren't as a collective, we aren't as conscious as what we could be. Um, no, no, we need to experience this sort of 
chaos um, because in this way we will be able to awaken and, and it's unfortunate that you know it takes us to take you know all of these really drastic sort of situations for us to actually be smacked awake um, yeah, oh, yeah, but yeah. sometimes that's our awakening. That's how it works. I, I think that's possibly the, the the best and almost only way that humans can awaken is by we always seem to be at our best when our backs are against the wall and we're having to fight mm. off, fight off. Um, sometimes the manifest, uh, the kind of manifestation of our own subconscious, collective subconscious. So yeah, I mean. We've allowed these people into power. We've allowed these globalists to have their agenda. We've allowed these yeah. super billionaires not to pay any tax and to exploit workers. We've allowed things like chemtrails. We've allowed plastic pollution. We've allowed all this stuff. You know, yeah. simply by thinking, you know, oh, well, if I just vote every five years, that's enough. Uh, you know, yeah. other people on the other extremes are trying to save the world, but their energy isn't there. They're not, they're not always ready there to, to actually make the steps and so they get caught, mm. caught up in in the web of the octopus or the, the spider's web which is the one percent the globalists is is just a, a messy web really it looks messy yeah but i think their their kind of uh, motto is order map is order out of chaos so i think at the moment they're trying to create as much chaos as possible in to create as much change that they want to see as possible um and I think, yeah, we we have yeah. to we have as a people we have to take advantage of the fact to create our own new um, vision out of the chaos, yes. rather than letting the people that we've acquiesced to for all this time to do that for us, because they're not perfect. They're just a bunch. Yeah. Of, they're just a bunch of um, scaly swine you know kind of rep reptiles <laughs> they're just a bunch of idiots uh think they've got this weird psychotic psychopathic vision that somehow yeah. their work their new brave new world is going to be better than than you know anything we could come up with but yeah you know we outnumber them 99 to 1 <laughs> so, yeah i guess so, you know there's always that that, that uh, element of of sabotage yeah. um that's that's there for you know people to kind of just take over but i think that's why it's so important that we stand together yeah. in times like these because we we then realize our power that we've given away and coming together as a collective we restore that power within ourselves and within uh you know on as a whole as well um, mm -hmm. something that I, I wanted to add to, um, you know, when you asked about, you know, everything happening right now, um, the kind of underlying sort of motivations and, and stuff like that, I think on, on also on a subconscious level, there's this ancestral sort of element, um, yeah. Especially in, in in you know with uh, by POC you know people of color, black indigenous people of color. Yes. Um, I feel like there is this sort of um, almost 
wanting justice, the ancestors wanting justice for what was done in the past. Yeah. And we, I mean, all of us, we essentially hold the the memories, the energy um, of our ancestors within our DNA, and we are also led by them in spirit. And I really feel that uh, right now there is this kind of um, rebalancing in that sense as well. They, our ancestors are um, guiding us in a sense to to make this these changes. Most definitely, this revolution. Yeah, most definitely. And, and there has to be that as well because if you look at education throughout the world and on, on any level, not whether it's university, it's, uh, preschool, high school, the whole myth, the whole government kind of programming thing goes on white culture. It goes on white history, and it's it's just just very biased, horrible version of it. Mm. Uh, what I say is, well, actually, you've got so many wonderful traditions there not just through Africa, Australia, Eastern Europe, Asia, and other, South America and other places, yeah. where there's a, a rich wealth of wisdom and innate truth that is not even touched upon in general education. Yeah. But somehow we've been taken over by, well, like Osho said, history is always only written by the winners. And yeah. In that respect, in a capitalist kind of mentality, the winners are right uh, you know kind of might is right or, or white is right mm. or whatever and it's this is kind of horrible way that the capitalist society is being propagated so yeah it, it should be really a, a finely balanced thing all men are brothers all sisters are sisters you know all women are sisters we should have yeah. a, a more collective view of uh our overall history it's just so taken over. Yeah. It's just so taken over by corporate um, interests and, and things, and, and kind of the need to. Well, it, it, it's just like a, a big pissing contest, really, isn't it? With with history, it's mm-hmm. like you know who who who's taken a you know a, a more yeah. more time to defeat and crush uh, different races and different down down the years, and especially for the last couple of hundred years since media has come to the forefront it's just been dominated by yeah by the, the wrong wrong types of people completely yeah. in my opinion anyway um, yeah so in, in terms as well of, of, of ancestral history as well because we all have nobody's what, what I'm going to say is everybody's ancestral history, a lot of us, unless you're kind of like bloodline families, will be quite complex. And people won't always know their ancestral mm-hmm. history. Um, particularly a lot of white people, particularly British people, Americans, they won't know their ancestral history. They won't know whether their roots go back to Eastern Europe or other places further back. They won't know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I always say, well, it would be a good idea that if each and every single person on the planet took an ancestry, a DNA test, that, that would be a start to helping us to defeat yeah. to defeat racist attitudes. Um, the institution, yeah, the institutionalized ra- racism of um, the, the like the one percent and so on and the bloodlines. That that's another matter. <laughs> I don't know how we help <laughs> them. <laughs> there are 
sometimes repetitive patterns, uh, behavior, um, you know, things like addiction, for example. Um, and that's, that's basically how the ancestral sort of trauma, um, then influences the end of, you know, individuals on that personal level Mm -hmm. where there's there's basically this a very deep need a need for deep healing to be done on that sort of ancestral level because it's become crystallized and embedded um essentially in the dna um if you think about it of of the person um so physically and, and metaphysically it's been it's in the energy field it's in the body and um i've been for it's it's something called life alignment where they they use reiki and kinesiology and Mm. um some other things to locate um blockages and and trauma within that's held within the body Mm. um that are reflections of uh, metaphysical uh, dis-ease and uh, it's been you know it's been really really beneficial to because you you get the sort of whole story that kind of arises of uh, when the trauma happened and um, you know where it's located and really gives a lot of clarity so and sexual trauma plays a huge, huge role in uh, affecting the individual. And, and like you mentioned before, not many, you know, some people aren't really aware or knowledgeable of their ancestry. No. Um, and so, and, you know, because I mean, if, if, you, if we had that knowledge, I think we'd be able to kind of process and deal with life a bit more easier um because then we'd be able to understand that you know this thing that i'm dealing with this affliction this condition is is not actually my own but it's just been passed on to me inherited and then that is where yeah that is then where the responsibility comes in um of 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 healing and yeah yeah. ending that this is uh, something that I, I really wanted to get into as well. And I, I, I think that uh, it, that comes from, obviously, ancestral karma is something that, in my understanding, when I've learned from uh, from drinking ayahuasca and, and going into that type of uh, therapeutic background, is that it, that can run for up to seven generations. Oh, wow. it, it, can, it can run for then but by by doing that type of work you can learn to help to break the patterns within yourself and to combat your own ancestral karma your own ancestral restrictions um for instance in my own family yeah there are certain patterns which i've I've only worked for the last several years to defeat uh other members of my family have have not been as successful and in in certain regards to that but they've not really been trying Mm -hmm. You know, I've been consciously trying to do that. And I think it is something like you say, if we could go back and meet our great, 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 great grandfather or grandma and and all the people in between, 
we would get a far better understanding of that. But of course, yeah. if most you know most people's families are any like my family, people rarely communicate anything truthful. Uh, you have to kind of you, you get it by accident sometimes, or you have to kind of pry it out of them with a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, have to, you have to like you know, yeah. you know put the metaphorical gun to the head and say you know tell me about great grandmother yeah. whoever so it, yeah, it can be tedious yeah it, it can be a lifelong mission <laughs> and even then you might only get periphery peripheral details uh, that's, yeah that's what i found you know and i've, I've like i say i've been down that rabbit hole and, and even with family members and it's like Every now and then, they just let something slip, and it's like, that's a really critical detail <laughs> about my ancestry. And you just drop it in there, like you're dropping a, a lump of sugar into your tea, you know, like one lump, yeah. one lump or two, dear. <laughs> one, one truth or two. And I've got, I'll take five. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it's fascinating that. Uh, so, yeah, kinesiology as well, that's, that's, a, that's a good one to use. I think. Yeah. And so, um, how did it help you on your journey then, going uh, having that help, that assistance, Josh? Or how has it helped? I mean, it helped. I mean, it's, it's helped me to understand that certain, you know, actually, all, if not all of the kind of really critical issues that I've had to deal, deal with in my life um, has actually stemmed from from my ancestral history, or even, you know, my parents mm. um, it was passed on to me. And uh, coming to that understanding that I had taken on that same pattern um, has helped me to, you know, over the past, you know, good couple of years, I've been able to work on these things and dismantle these patterns and replace them with, with healthy, um, healthy ones. And, you know, that only came about by, you know, that realization of, self-love and that's something that I've also been working on self-love and self-care and yeah um most important so really just in, you know, embarking on that journey um and it is yeah it's, a, it's definitely a process um much like much like forgiveness mm. um that was that's been a a a really uh, <laughs> crucial, intense theme in my life. Um, yeah, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, self-absolution. Self-absolution mm -hmm. self as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I learned, I've learned through this experience of, you know, being, I kind of, so just a bit of my personal history, um, I kind of became estranged from my parents. 
this was about in 20, 2012. It was the, mm-hmm. that was my uh, stepping into my sort of calling by standing in my power and refusing to take, you know, on any more of the kind of oppression and abuse in my own home yeah. against me. And, um, you know, I was always someone who wanted to forgive and wanted there to be peace. Mm. And I quickly came to understand that that, that uh, forgiveness is a journey because, you know, when I'm when I said to myself, you know, Josh, you can't hold on to this anger, no. and you just need to forgive them. And I tried doing that, but then I just found that there was all of these emotions that kept on coming up. And that's when I realized that, you know, this, I need to, this is something that I need to work through. And for me, you know, I, I also discovered something about myself where I actually take a long time to process things in this, in the, in the emotional sense of like really kind of processing things on a, on a, on a deep level. So it's yeah. taken me, you know, like this is like seven years, seven, eight years to work through this healing, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and forgiveness. But I, I think it's mm-hmm. really important to, to state that forgiveness is not about condoning the abuse or actions no. um, of, of, of those parties. Um, and it's not even about liking the person afterwards or wanting to be in their space. Um, and, and I feel like you can still be repulsed by them. And I feel like your, our feelings and emotions are, are mechanisms of survival and they help us to survive and, and protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when you have these, because, you know, we, we've grown up with this narrative and it's been especially being perpetuated by religion and, and Christianity as well. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely Christianity where, you know, you know, you need to, you need to forgive and you, there's this whole kind of mindset that you just need yeah, to be okay with people who have done, done you wrong. Yeah, that's fixed and though. It's, it's, that is, that's a toxic belief. Yeah. That's really a toxic belief that, that is that's actually um, perpetuates victim blaming as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And the, um, the main thing that I, I've, I, I've found as well is um, uh, thinking about people that they say, "No, you, you need to forgive this person or whatever." So it's not that simple because usually it's over something where that person will be totally unrepentant. You know, yeah. You, you could try and get forgiveness out of them, but the, they'd still justify what they did. Like an abuse, any type yeah. of abuse, and uh, that's the point. There's a, there's a very wonderful saying in um, Japan, which is that trying to forgive somebody that is unrepentant is like painting pictures in water. Wow! <laughs> and that, that that kind of some that's when I heard that, that went click in my brain, and I went, yeah, that is exactly it because it's not like Christianity, not in general, is trying to say well. Oh, make it about that person that's done you wrong and forgiving them is about, you know, but they, they quite nine times out of ten, they're not going to give a crap. 
you know, like with yeah. abusive abusive people, uh, people have done something wrong. They're like, oh well, oh, I did it anyway. I, I don't, you know, it's your problem if you don't like it. Uh, that's why it leads us to self absolution. That's why I say I absolve myself of any blame. I've absolved myself of anything to in in this. I'm going to get on with mm. my life. That person will never accept forgiveness because they have a, a blockage in their own karma, their own energy. So you know, yeah, trying to forgive people in the Christian way or the the whatever way, the Buddhist way, or whatever, it's simply not an effective model, in my opinion. Yeah, but yeah, I like that analogy. You know, like paint, paint trying to paint pictures in water. <laughs> it's just, just <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we've got um, we've got to think about forgiving ourselves for allowing that to happen Definitely. in the first place. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, you know, with, with you know, abuse and especially emotional abuse, um, there's so much uh, guilt and, and shame that we are made to feel. Um and you know that's also like in within religion that's something that is also something that is um perpetuated as well um and it's essentially it's it's you know very extremely disempowering um yeah. do you think so yeah i think yeah do you think that um we've collectively become or a lot of us have collectively become uh trapped in that that kind of religious model of of trying to you know kind of societally it's kind of restricted us because don't forget this this the same model that's brought us that has brought us you know the catholic church and other religions which have abused people more than you know, yeah. it's, it's just widespread and you think like well actually that that is something they've done kind of subconsciously to try and cover their own abuses it feels like it to me in, in some mm. aspects it feels like oh you know well i'll forgive them they know not yeah. what they do they're, they're just trying to use that um like we talked about earlier i mentioned davo um you know um as a way of yeah. turning things around so, you know, the abuser doesn't have to worry about the abuse that they perpetrated, no matter how hideous or, or horrific it was. But then it's it, the, onus, yeah. the onus is on the abused person. Oh, you've got to forgive. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that seems to be where I think we, we've got things wrong. I don't know. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's... The accountability factor is really, really important, and um, mm. I don't know. I've just been seeing so much of, of of that where it's like these people who have abused others, kind of they either don't see their 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 toxic behavior and they don't feel like there's a need no. for them to be 
accountable, take responsibility for what they've done. No, there's no concept. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, you know, and then, I, you know, that also then goes into sort of narcissism territory yeah. where, <laughs> you know, sometimes people, you know, they don't even, there's no kind of conscious or sometimes there's no conscious realization. And I think maybe this is more for those severe cases that they are actually being narcissistic and mm. sociopathic towards someone. But a lot of the time, you know, we, people are, are aware of what they're doing. Well, I, I believe that they're fully aware of what they're doing. All of them. It's just that mm. they can't. That that will never cross over into any kind of repentance or anything like that. I think, you know, having, having been in a relationship like that with uh, somebody for about three years who was, had narcissistic personality disorder, an extreme sociopath, a violent woman uh, that cheated and had affairs, you know, all the time we're together and just used any kind of horrible tactics like that. She knew exactly what she was doing. It's just I didn't. That was a problem until it was too late. And then it was like, holy shit, what have I got myself into here? Uh, and then wow. you know, I was like, crikey. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to get out of this before, you know, before it's, it's too late. But yeah, uh, they, they know exactly what they're doing, Josh. I guarantee you that. And psychologists say the same is that, well, yeah, but they will never, ever, 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 ever admit it. Never. Mm. That is that is worse than death for these people. It's kind of like yeah. admitting their faults is, is just like well, for them it will be like being abused all over again, and from by whatever abuse led them to be narcissistically, sociopathically, psychopathically inclined, and you know you've got to feel yeah. on one level you've got to feel for them because they were victims of somebody else's abuse, but they've chosen to kind of. Uh, metamorphosize that trait into something which is just they see you know one person tried to destroy their life with abuse but then maybe they may go yeah. and destroy 10 people's li lives or, or kind of disrupt severely disrupt 10 other people's lives one partner after another one family member after another and they know what they're doing yeah. <laughs> no, no doubts about that but they they can't stop yeah um, that's that's that's, yeah. that's the way I've experienced it anyway. Right. Yeah, I think it's more that that inability to to stop what they're doing. Yeah, they can't. Um, they can't stop. It's 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 built into them. It's been yeah it's been beaten into them or whatever. That's really it's, sad. It is really it's sad. really sad because I've but, you know I've met and and lost so many uh, really really. Good people. Um, you know, other than the fact that they were are narcissists. Um, yeah. And of you know, having gone through that sort of experience, it's it's easier now to kind of spot them. Uh -huh. But sometimes, you know, for, for people who are like generally more trusting. And, and try to see the good in people. Mm, 
Um, yeah, you're fat, right? <laughs> we can still be fooled in the beginning because you know the oh, you know yeah. they have the sort of charm and very well liked and very lovely and yeah. it's only until you are in at a certain level where you start seeing the small little signs. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it doesn't make sense, does it? Always. Yeah. Unless, unless, like you say, if you've educated yourself, then you know th- at that point you just get the hell out of there. But yeah, it, it, it takes a, a really hard lesson to get there. A really, it does. A really hard lesson. All right. So yeah, we we we're, we're going back to ancestral um, trauma and ancestral karma and things as well. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about in, in regards to that? Oh, the ancestral side of things. Yeah, we covered mostly, or no, I think it's just basically the you know ancestral. You know, I think the you know we touched on the firm you know the, those family lines and how mm-hmm. you know those conditions are. Are cyclical that carry on down the generations. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, and you know, dismantling those those uh, toxic patterns or behaviors and, and stuff. Yeah, I think on some level, if you are aware of that, mm-hmm. and you are consciously choosing to change those patterns. Yes, it's also a cry. F- it's a cry for help, or, or it's a push from our, the same ancestors that went through that mm. for us to be that agent of healing yeah. in our family line, and that is a huge, that's, that's really a huge responsibility, and it's it's something I think it's a very humbling thing. I think. Yeah, most definitely, and that is our, our healing responsibility, and that leads us on nicely to personal trauma, because <laughs> they're all just—it's like a triangle; they're just so inter- intertwined how they they fit together. Yeah, and personal trauma is possibly, uh, yeah, one of the most important parts because we we can only deal with the others when we tackle our own personal trauma first. But that—it's not always so easy, is it, Josh? It's not always that. Um, it's not always that straightforward. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, it's like you know, because I know we like, can become so jaded by things that happen to us, you know, in life, and yeah, um, you know, I always say you can either choose to, you know, most people, you know, you either choose to be see yourself as a victim of your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Or you can choose to see your circumstances as, you know, kind of building blocks or lessons. Not not that um, yeah. those things, you know, I'm not saying that those things were meant to happen. No. But um, you can either choose to take you know, what you can from those things, those experiences and and become a stronger person, a wiser person. Yeah. Um, or you could fall into that sort of victim trap and yeah. I think so many so, uh, so many of us 
fall into that role of being a victim. You beat yourself in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, And I think, you know, in, in my sort of, in my practice, my spiritual practice and what I what I aim to do and what I, I do is I, I like to remind people of of their power, yeah. of their personal power that, that lies within them, that they have forgotten, that they've given away. And I like to bring them back to that and connect with that. And, and once you do that, there, you, you see such a tremendous change in, mm. you know, in... in them as a person and situation because they're actually taking taking control of their life. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely something that's that seems to to happen. And personal trauma as well. It, it can come in many many different forms and shapes can't it because there are some things which happen in the early years of our life which we are, are literally helpless to, to change maybe sometimes for, for people listening or they will identify with this to say well yeah there were, there were things that were done to me or things that happened to me that I, I, I was defenseless to change then you get into your teenage years and then things take a Usually, people will have well, depending on your sex or your background, or whether people will have more of a measure uh, to try to fight off uh, certain things or, or to get away from certain things. But not always, you know. Some people will, as we see, you know, in the media recently and stuff going on, is like it's not always that cut and dry, that clear. Um, then, as an adult, hopefully, you've got more personal um, ability. To, to shape and fashion your future, but you've also got the personal trauma of your past. I think all of us yeah. have, have trauma in some way or shape or another, uh, and that can vary a great deal, you know, from a child that was told at a young age that they couldn't do this or that by a parent or somebody mocked them or, you know, kind of somebody told them that they weren't good enough, to physical abuse, to sexual abuse, to ritual abuse, to all kinds of stuff. And that, that spectrum is just absolutely, I mean, you think about uh, children living in the, in the so-called third world, you know, what, that we, we call it in the West, where they, yeah. you know, they, they're going out to work at eight, nine years old and their mortality uh, life expectancy is so low and they're not getting an education, they're not getting properly fed, they're not even getting paid really, they're probably, they're just, they've just basically been enslaved. There's all kinds of things that, that go on, yeah. and personal trauma. What what to one person and to another person, there's not really, uh, in my eyes, there's not really a scale where you can measure or compare that. Yeah, you know, so, so it's all very subjective. It's relative. It's relative in perspective. Yeah, yeah. but um, you know, some of those poor kids that, that are out there mining for cobalt and copper and things in Africa and Congo. They're eight nine years old and and you know they, they, they have a end up crippled or they end up um disabled or or just in horrible ways 
they they might yeah. have a, a better coping mechanisms and some kind of rich kid in the west who's just kind of like a mum and dad want to put her in for beauty shows when she's like eight years old and dress her up like a doll <laughs> you know there's no the scale of trauma is is it's incalculable i think in, in many ways yeah there's certain things that just aren't right but yeah um what's your what's your own perspective on on that and and, and what's your own perspective josh on um dealing with personal trauma Uh, I think, you know, just to start off with, with I, you know, you need to kind of really be honest with yourself, I think. Mm. I think the, yeah, I think the, the starting point is complete honesty. Yeah. Um, and acknowledgement of what you've been through, you know, what, what's happened to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, your own thoughts and feelings about the situation, um, and also the, the actual behaviors of other people involved in the situation and the, and the perpetrators. Um, because that is the only way that you are going to be able to fully heal on your journey and move forward is by full acknowledgement and honesty of the situation. Mm. Um, so for me, that is the starting point of personal healing and growth. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's really well put. Um, you want to think as well, don't you? That um, from a like a higher spiritual perspective, I know that the the soul does kind of choose a lifetime, as I see it, that it wants to go into. Uh, it can yeah. it can maybe see the circumstances, the kind of outline circumstances of a life, and it will choose it for a certain lesson for a certain perspective or several perspective or lessons as well uh, and sometimes that won't be easy you know I always, yeah. I always just ask this question to my teachers and the pastors like why why would anybody choose to go into a life of abuse or torture or torment or, or anything like that why why would they choose that and quite often all the answer from spirit would come back well it, it will bring them to a point of understanding uh, no matter how brutal or difficult it may seem while they're going through it, that afterwards they will develop the skills to be able to help other people or to bring something to the world to, for, as a collective uh, measure to help people heal. So I think sometimes the ones that that, that do go through the worst trauma can be the best healers. They can be the ones that bring the best to help other people. Um, Maybe, I don't think. You know, it's 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 it's, yeah. tough, it's tough to think of it that way, but um, yeah. I, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I I do agree with you, uh, David. Um, I mean, I always think of 
the stories of figures, you know, you know, huge figures in history like Jesus, uh, the Buddha, um, for example, and you know some of the things that they went through in life, yeah. and uh, especially the, the the figure of Jesus and how he suffered and. Um, how he was, you know, he wasn't accepted in his hometown, and no, he's ostracized. Um, yeah, he, 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 yeah, yeah, that, that and uh, yeah, I definitely think that the more trauma uh, someone goes through, um, the more the greater the capacity they have for being a vessel of healing and and transformation for others and the world um, because they've experienced the depth um, that aspect of depth you know nobody who's, who's who's lived a relatively easy life a happy life um, would be able to give you any sort of advice or um, the tools to to grow and move forward in life you know it's it's just you know, it's, it's funny how it works that you know you have to go through the the really through the fire bad through the fire through the fire <laughs> <laughs> to be tempered through the fire um, and it's yeah in a sense on, on that kind of higher spiritual level it's that that refinement of the soul the soul goes through through that soul growth um and the soul choosing to learn from those lessons that bring about that higher level of consciousness and essentially enlightenment of that soul and that is how souls evolve yeah. by going through those those this process of refinement and and going through the struggles and challenges of life, of different lifetimes. Um, yeah, of course, because if you just came and had it easy every time, what, what would the point be? Everybody, yeah. everybody wants an easy life. Almost everybody. Apart from a few ascetics like me and you. Everybody wants a fairly <laughs> easy life, and they want kind of like the riches. But you won't get anywhere like that. You know, you're not going to make any progress. Yeah. And... That kind of leads us into the point, I think, that, well, actually, some of the people that are our abusers or collective abusers are actually also doing us a service because they're agreeing to take that bad role in order to waken us up, in order to slap us into some kind of action. Yeah. Otherwise, if you just could, you could just kind of like sit around all day, you know, like, I'm on my hammock on the beach, it's all nice and... You know, unless somebody comes along and, and kind of cuts your hammock down and, and you end up kind of like falling and kind of bruising yourself, metaphorically, then you're not going to get anywhere. So, yeah, it, yeah it's a fine line. And I think, yeah, we've got to uh, try to put things in perspective. And I know, yeah. I know when we, we talk about past lives, you can't just come back as the same type of person again and again and again either. You can't just come back as a white, yeah. a white man again and again and again. You know, <laughs> sorry, 1%. You, can't, you know, you're going to have to come back as a woman. You're going to have to come back as 
Asian, African, South American, Eskimo. You're going to have to come yeah. up with every possible permutation to learn what it's all yeah. like. And that's the most beautiful thing for me is that I think some of these, you know, racists and supremacists and things, you know, I hope, you know, they're going to come back for a lesson in the next lifetime where they're not white. <laughs> and, the, you know, maybe this, this white supremacist man and when he's going to come back as, uh, you know, kind of um, a Zimbabwean woman in his next lifetime and then learn what it's like from yeah. the other side and vice versa. You know, it, it, it all, to me, all has to be, um, it has to be fluid. It has to be that we, we get these experiences. Um, yeah. I, I know we, we're kind of stuck in one lifetime each now, um, but I think our, our souls, our, our spirit selves, they're all the same colour. <laughs> it's like all the colours of the rainbow and, and beyond. We've, we're kind of multicoloured. But you, when you, yeah. you, you're stuck in these bodies, this, these spacesuits in effect, we don't see that. So, yeah, I know that's going to lead us on to some other things that we need to talk about as well. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next, Josh? Where do we need to go next? Um, I wanted to touch on, you know, with regards to the to personal trauma and yeah, um, course, yeah. and abuse. Um, right. I wanted to touch up touch on things like uh, you know the Stockholm syndrome and uh, oh yes, yeah, trauma awesome. bonding as well. Yeah, and. Um, Self-sabotage as well. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's a popular theme. <laughs> and, and you know, these sort of terms I've noticed have, have only sort of popped up quite recently. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Last few years, yeah. You know, which also speaks to the you know the rising consciousness and awareness and yeah. Um, so it's it's you know we definitely on at the level now on, on a collective level of of being able to heal it's a space now that's opened up for us to do this mm -hmm. um so you know something that i want to, to to touch on is you know a lot of people you know if you hear about a story of someone that was abused mm, yeah and you know we we tend to think why how could that person stay in that situation yes. you know how could they allow the abuser to do that to them yeah and it's really not that simple no no never um you know <laughs> as you know if you if we as people you know we need to to constantly keep on educating ourselves um and uh you know, after reading about things like trauma bonding and, you know, Stockholm syndrome and things like that, you kind of have more of an understanding of why people have, you know, do the things they do. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, I was, I was reading about trauma bonding and uh, an example of how, you know, parents, when they, you know, use corporal punishment to discipline their kids by, you know, yeah. physically, you know, yeah. hitting them and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, just after that's been done, they then 
would, you know, hug their child and say that I love you. Yeah. And um, it's basically we see that in, in you know, uh, physical abuse victims in, in adulthood. It's the same sort of thing. It's the same thing, you know, trauma bonding, having this sort of, Oh yeah, yeah. This bond with your abusers. Yeah, it knows no bounds of age. It doesn't. It goes. It carries on. Yeah. Yeah. The susceptibility to it carries on as well, unfortunately. Yeah. And you know that's sort of something that you know people are doing unconsciously. Parents are doing this only because it's a learned behaviour. Yeah. From their childhood. Yeah. And they can't see that this is problematic. I mean, I remember when we started as as a collective started having these discussions about, uh, you know, not not spanking your kids and and mm-hmm. eliminating that sort of thing. How uh, so many people and parents were saying, you know, but this is the way that I was raised, and yeah. you know, I turned out fine, and all of you know that sort of narrative and yeah. rhetoric. Bullshit. And <laughs> you know, it's just like. Yes, that's because that is the only experiences that experience that you know. Yeah. That's what you know. You you know no other experience. So, you know how can you how can you actually say that? That's you, there's no oh, credibility in that yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, but th- those same people, those same parents now that say that they've got anger issues, they've got addiction problems, they've got alcohol, yeah. alcohol problems, they smoke, they you know they say drugs. They've they've got issues with that they've just buried it so deep yeah it, it manifests in bad ways you know th- there's never any good reason to beat a child there's no, no matter no matter what they've done and from my experience of violence against me in my childhood I, I you know it was not things that i'd done wrong it was only perceived things or things that somebody else said i'd done wrong and then yeah. i end up being being a victim of that so it is yeah, like you say, it's because oh yeah, oh my, well, my parents did it to me, so you know, it's it's okay, you know, this is the way it's done. Yeah. And until it was outlawed and, and kind of uh, made illegal, you know, it carried on, and I'm sure it still carries on today with with, with many yeah. families, many people, because you know they, they can get away with it, and that is always the way. So yeah. When abusers get away with it, they get away with it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So there's definitely that shift in, in, in consciousness and awareness. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 you know, like we spoke, I spoke before about, you know, the older generations, um, not really in, being inclined to, to change that much. And I, I definitely think that this will be something that we'll see carried, carried through more with the younger generations, you know, yeah. Um, changing this, that sort of this toxic pattern and behaviour of of uh, abuse. I, it's it's uh, yeah, it's abuse. Um, yeah, it even is, though it's, yeah. it, it, it it's never really seen or perceived in that way. No, because it, people it's... were so um, desensitised to it. Um, yeah. Uh, one time it was just like yeah oh you know perfectly acceptable you know it, w- it was expected and then you know yeah. I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s and then it was just like yeah I, I just thought it was normal 
like we said before, you know, it just this is normal. Yeah, it, it didn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't nice. It was painful, and those it was not good. I didn't. Well, I didn't think it was normal. I was kind of thinking, well, mm. this can't be right. Well, you know, what have I done? You know, it's not. It's not me. It's it's, it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. So, but for some children, they will. You know, they will believe that they've deserved it. That they've done something that, you know, they should. They should have punishment yeah. physically and otherwise mentally, psychologically. So, yeah, breaking patterns, isn't it? Yeah. And I definitely just, you know, speaking about this now and seeing how that behavior is essentially only a projection of the the trauma that those parents, those people had gone through in their lives. So it's this, yeah. you know, this perpetuating this yeah. same sort of toxic cycle of of abuse. Um, yeah, because, too. you know, people do tend to to um, continue the behaviours of, of of the people that have done them, them wrong, yeah, uh, subconsciously, yeah. unconsciously. It's easy enough to um, break, though. I I find that that you know, out of my family, I've never ever committed violence against anybody else. Never hit anybody else. Never done that. I had my fair share for like fifteen years, but I, I never I never ever went on to become violent. I never ever would do that. And you know, with Arlo, with my son, there's no way I'd ever ever raise a hand to him. I'd ever raise my voice to him. Ah, uh, you know, if he's, if if something's happened. I'll talk to him about it. Oh well, we know. I'll say, well, this isn't right. That's not right. But there's no way yeah. I'd ever. And I think I, I hope I've broken that line in my family because you know yeah. my my brothers don't have children, so they they're not going to demonstrate that behaviour. But uh, the rest of them are still they're stuck in their own ways. But there's no way I could ever go there. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I couldn't conceive of it. If I if I did that, I'd be ashamed. I'd be absolutely distraught. But but yet, like you say, so many do. They just carry it forwards uh, without thinking yeah. about it. But I thought about it deeply. I thought I, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. Straight yeah. away, the first thought was I can't do this. But you know, like you say, others don't. They just repeat automatically. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to talk about, really. In many ways, but yeah. it's got to be talked about. It does. Yeah. Go um, on. What were you saying? Sorry, before I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah, no, because you know, essentially, that that behaviour then opens the space for yeah. for people to allow further abuse as they get older in their lives. You know, they. They yeah. become susceptible for to to abuse and yeah, it just continues. That cycle continues. Yeah, it can. It can do. So it's really it about. Be, sorry. It can do. Yeah, it can. It can it, yeah. You know, if they don't realise, which is you're not going to get taught how it can affect you. If you don't realise how it affects you, yeah, then you become, if you are bullied or beaten or abused in any way, then you can you can become 
what these these predators, these predatory narcissists, sociopaths and psychopaths see, you become easy prey. You become an easy lunch, in effect. Yeah. Until you get your head on straight and you realise, hang on a minute, there's something else going on here. All these hidden tricks and stuff. You know, the, the thing yeah. of thinking that these people, are these abusers are really clever, really smart and that. No, they're just dumb as fuck. And just using the same tactics to control you. Once you figure that yeah. out and you go, oh, hang on, light bulb comes on. Oh, hang on a minute. I've let myself fall into this trap again and again. That is a point when you start to really, truly mature and say, right, educate, educate myself. This is not happening to me again. <laughs> That's yeah, point. because, I mean, essentially, if you think about it, people are, are led to believe that they deserve that treatment oh, yeah, yeah. on some level. Well, that's like no. Stockholm Syndrome, isn't it? It's like, that's what yeah. we're going to. It's like talking about, well, oh, you know, my abuser's actually quite a good person, really. Sometimes they, they act up and beat me or kind of abuse me or, you know, kind of uh, gaslight me or whatever. But actually, I quite, yeah. lo I quite love them because, um, you know what, it's my mother or it's my brother or it's my father or, or it's my whoever, my p partner or my husband or my wife. So, yeah, you, you get... It's like being stuck in quicksand in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what about um, Stockholm Syndrome then and, and feelings for abusers? What thoughts do you have on that, Josh? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot, <laughs> under the spot. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> I've been going through this process over the past few years of mm -hmm. um, dismantling a, a a pattern of of narcissistic abuse, and um, it was only recently that I came to this realization that. Mm. I've actually had this Stockholm syndrome because I, I I I cut some people out of my life recently, um, oh, yeah. and yeah, I just that. kind of just it was just this like light bulb moment for me that mm. like whoa it was actually like I I knew that this was happening, yeah, <laughs> but I still allowed it to happen. Because maybe I really cared about the person, um, yeah. <laughs> or they were a pretty decent person on other levels, or you know X, Y, and Z, and it was like, wow, I really, I kind of tricked myself into to being stuck in in this this toxic pattern, and um, yeah. it's quite a realization. Mm. Like the Three of Swords, in a way, yeah. Mm. In the fourth deck, it's like the Three of Swords, trying to draw away from something or somebody, but that attachment, yeah. that um, personal, emotional attachment, is the last thing that you, you've got to pull away from. Yeah. I think that's what that card represents to me, is like a place, a person, a society, a group of people, or a relationship or a business or something that, that it, you're attached to 
in your mind yeah. you, you need to cut that thread completely in order to say well actually on balance of this this relationship person uh, this abuser whoever I've become attached to is no longer of any use to me and I can freely, yeah. freely let that go <laughs> yeah it's, and, and that's the, it's the most difficult stuff. part um, yeah but when you get I think there, I've been it, it's powerful sorry go on you know, I've, I've, I've been, and that's something that I've been practicing through the various uh, relationships and connections with these sort of people. Like I've, I've kind of slowly become better at yeah. at doing it, but it's so difficult to, mm. on an emotional, energetic level, to detach from you know said person, said people. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I I've noticed that within you in our, in our kind of relationship over the last couple of years or so, especially I have noticed that with you, you've been kind of um, pushing yourself and fighting harder to to go through that, and at times maybe I didn't acknowledge that, but I've I've noticed it happening, and I've seen that, and and you've 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 come a long way in that time. I, I've seen that. Well, now as well, you're a lot steadier and you're a lot. But you're more in touch with your internal wisdom as well, which is a beautiful thing to see. From mm. my perspective, thank you. Anybody that comes into yeah. that power as well, when you find that within yourself, I mean, I, 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 I remember going through something similar when I was about 19, 20 or so on, and, uh, and kind of trying to separate myself out from other things but then mine happened in different stages all, all our evolutions happen happen completely uniquely but there, there yeah. were some things that i identified with and i thought yeah i'll just leave him to it because he, he's doing quite well <laughs> i won't i won't say i won't comment or anything but yeah no you, you, you you've done well in that respect yeah so yeah but thank you thanks for no, like your no, support it, and stuff credit you know, you've credit always been there Credit where credit's due, <laughs> and um, yeah, always been there. And with uh, the yeah, no matter how close we are to our former abusers, and I'll use the word former abusers. There will always be, yeah. quite often, always be that an emotional, metaphysical bond or, or link to them. Uh, even when we cut all the cords and we we separate ourselves and our emotional bodies from each other, there's always going to be ties to them you, you can't help it whether, yeah. whether it's genetic uh, bloodline you know bloods or whatever so yeah it can be a, a really tricky thing uh i think it is it, it is and it's, it, it's something that if you're listening out there you've got to maintain it as well you've got to to do that yeah. because if you have had uh that type of relationship where you are and you know that space with an abuser Stockholm syndrome comes about or you, you, you kind of feel that you've got to keep working on it because the, at times it will try to burrow the way back into your life and take over yeah. again uh, and yeah. you know you, I'm not saying be completely on your guard but be, be wary mm. <laughs> you know be, you have to be yes. wary um, because mm. sometimes you know they'll, they'll lay low for a year or two or three or four and all of a sudden They'll, yeah. try, they'll try and wheedle the way back in there, um, just like nothing, yeah. ever, just like nothing ever happened, just like no time ever passed, 
and all of a sudden yeah. they're there with the same tricks, the same kind of gaslighting, the same games, the same stuff. Yeah. And if you're not careful, you, you're going to go back to, to square one again. Right, so where do we go from here, yeah. Josh? Because you've got the agenda. <laughs> yeah, I think just to add on that, I, mean, I think it's, nice way. You know, that's why it's so important yeah. to, when you do, you know, go through these experiences, yeah. kind of gives you more of a tough skin. Uh-huh. And Yeah, it can do. Yeah. You know, in the sense of you being aware of of those people and it's like and and then also going back to you know that concept of forgiveness and and, mm. and working through your own healing and and letting go of that yeah. sort of negative charge yeah. that you are holding on to obviously with through, with time and stuff but never um kind of being never allowing them back in again and, and that's what you were saying is like never ever allowing that space for them to take advantage of you because you know what you've been through with that person and 10 to 1 they, they, they'll never ever change so you need to yeah. be more um, boundaried ruthless in a sense you need to be ruthless with your boundaries and and the limits of what you're able to give or not give yeah that's important because yeah like I say they can they can wait forever (laughs) to to kind of you know try and wheedle the way back in but yeah when you when you become very boundaried uh, to to people that like that then you, you not only protect yourself from your past abusers you protect yourself against future potential people that want to prey on you and that's so yeah. important because like i said they're not that intelligent they're not that smart they just use the same tactics you know mm. they're just out there yeah. with the same tactics trying to and most things in life are like that you know where people are trying to attack or affront you but you just you just don't know the game it's like you know if, if mm. some if you never played monopoly in your life and as like a 30, 30 year old somebody sat you down in front of a monopoly board or a poker game or whatever with a lot of people that knew how to play the game and they said, oh, come on, you know, like, let's play for money or whatever, you'd get absolutely crucified. <laughs> you know, they'd, yeah. skin, they'd skin you alive because they know the game and you don't. All you need to know yeah. is understand how the game works, read the rules or read the unwritten rules and that way, you know, you're not, you're not going to sit down in the first place when those people come along. You're not going to go, oh, you know, we're having a game of poker, we're having a game of Monopoly, and you're going to go, ah, actually, no, that's not for me. Thank you. I, re- I, re- yeah. I appreciate and respect you inviting me to the game, but it's not for me. See ya. Bye. Yeah. And then you're running down the street. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that's why I definitely think that if you can if you can help it, to keep those people at a good arm's length away oh, yeah, yeah. from you. Yeah. Um, uh, I definitely believe that you should, if you can, cut all ties. Yeah, Absolutely, it, it, all it, ties it, with with the person because oh, they will they will always try to find a way to come back into your life. Yeah, if possible, um, you know, if 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 you are a parent with a <laughs> a child with one of these people, and then it, it becomes more problematic. At least, for, yeah. Well, at least for sixteen years or so, or however long it is. But um, after that, it may become easier. But uh, yeah, definitely, if you can, and 
of course, again, the Three of Swords, it might sound brutal, but if it's a, a family member, a parent, a sibling, brother, sister, uncle, auntie, or whatever, then that means that that person is abusive to you and bad for you, bad for your development. You're going to have to cut mm. ties with them. I've had to do that. I've had to do it with, with, yeah. with, with three people in my family. And they will never, ever change. They've, you know, they've never, yeah. they've never taken any interest in my life, apart from to abuse me, to gaslight me, to tell me I'm wrong, to disabuse me, and all those kinds of stuff. So after 40 odd years, why, why would they think that that's ever going to change? These, ty yeah. these types of people, they never reform, they never change. It's not, it's in their life pattern that they're going to do this. So yeah, if you are listening to this, then do yourself a favour and, you know, healthily cut the ties and, and go forwards to, yeah. your, to your own future uh, um, stability, spiritually, emotionally, everything in every way. Yeah. Yeah. Because once you start taking charge of your life, Mm. Um, and you know you employ self love and self care. Yes. You essentially come into alignment. Oh yeah. You know, and yeah. and those you know sometimes there's this fear of you know if you are in a situation where you are relying on your abuser, uh, there's a sort of a fear that you won't have anyone else in your life to fulfill that role the positive side of the role that oh yes that you yeah. are rely on yeah and by aligning you attract the the good the ones with the good intentions who are able to fulfill that role and more in your life so coming into your own power and and is is something that is really just changes the whole game completely yeah i think where where some people do struggle with that particularly within families is where the abusive party is the one that provides financial support when they're, yeah. they're stuck or in difficulties or where they provide material financial support in whatever way so that it's really difficult for the the the, the victim of that abuse to separate themselves uh, and that's kind of something I have found in the past is where yeah they they will provide. Uh, it's almost as if they 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 in some ways they could, they could kind of materially pay to abuse you. Yeah. On on a regular basis, yeah. so that you have to pay tribute to them and grovel and kind of be kind of in, in touch or in tune with them to do what they dance to their tune. Yeah all the while while they try and kind of alleviate your, your material burden so that that is a common thing that abusers yeah that abusers do as well it's, it's quite ritualistic um but when you can break from that you, your life yeah your life might be harder you may you know you may have suffered more hardship financially but again it's something that you need to do because you can't sell yourself for material um, propagation from these people it, it, just, it yeah. just just doesn't end well you end up being a slave to them and you end up saying yeah, yeah. I'll carry on abusing me as long as you kind of pay me to do it or you, you yeah. kind of do these favours or whatever for me to do it. it it can get sticky yeah right yeah. what what part of our dis what part of our discussion um yeah. 
next is is kind of uh, is some of it around um, healing uh, and how to heal and yeah well you tell me Josh you tell me because you're you're the man with the uh, <laughs> the plan um, uh, yeah I, I, I definitely believe that you know healing should be healing should be on your own terms in the sense of um, you know you, we shouldn't feel forced to to rush the process yeah um, it should be something that is completely natural and yeah in line with your current state of being um, because you know like as I mentioned before with the premature abuse I'm sorry premature um, forgiveness yeah um, you only encounter problems down the line if the that journey of healing is is sort of rushed um, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't rush it, though, can you? You can't. You, a lot of people do try to to rush through healing, and that that's a massive problem in my eyes. It's a, it's just, it's it's a problem of the Western mindset, the allopathic mindset, in my opinion. Yeah, because we want you know that sort of instant. Oh yeah, take a pill. Sort take of gratification. Yeah, take the pill. It's like the blue pill, isn't it? It's like take the blue pill, take, take the take the painkiller, take the tranquilizer, whatever, whichever way you want to go, and oh, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, we, and that actually that actually touches on some another well similar topic of in terms of um, you know things like you know having uh, depression, major depression. Yeah. Um, and you know, people you know being dependent on on taking a pull, and yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it's in my opinion, I do believe that healing does need to be holistic. Um, yeah. I I I do think that medicine um, definitely has a has a purpose. Um, yeah, but I think that types. it, you know, it, it does need to be combined with some form of conscious um, internal processing and 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 the, the desire to change uh, one situation because people get dependent on the medication, but they're still stuck. They they will never really heal because the the medication is only there to assist with the healing, but if you're not working through those issues, um, then you, you're going to be stuck on those on those meds for your entire life. Yeah, and this, this, this is a, a very succinct quote from Hippocrates, who's kind of the father of medicine. Before you heal someone, ask them if he or she is willing to give up the things that made them sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that is a thing. Exactly. And we, we this is really relevant to today's uh, so-called healthcare medicine is that, well, 
uh, quite a lot of the time it's the drugs that were given that make us sick I had years of experience mm. of that is that like that they gave me so many problems made me so sick and I was like yeah I'll give this up in no time if I can get better but yeah quite often no healing can occur until the person actually really really wants to get well when they've really had enough yeah. when they're sick of being sick whether it's through physical chronic illness or addiction as well as a big one where, they, where, where they've, yeah. they've gone through that and they're saying that I can't do this anymore you know I can't drink anymore I can't you know uh, inject any more heroin I can't do any more cocaine I can't do this or that the other I can't go any, yeah. any further down that line I'm, I know if they know they're going to get into trouble then if they can say right I've had enough and I'm willing to heal then they can heal but if a person's in the middle of it, whether it's prescription drugs or illegal drugs or anything else, or alcohol or whatever, uh, even in abusive relationships, if a person doesn't want to admit that it's damaging them, yeah, they're not going to get over it. They're not going to heal from it. So, mm. yeah, good old Hippocrates. He knew, he knew a thing or two. <laughs> he did, yeah? Yeah, he did. Um, but unfortunately, his, his kind of wisdom is lost in the medical system these days with the vast majority with maybe 90% of doctors and physicians and surgeons they have no idea who he was they have no idea about his wisdom um, yeah. you know the Hi Hi Hippocratic Oath is just like something that is, is like a perfunctory thing that they do and it's like after they've taken it they don't even think about it yeah. you know um, so yeah healing is um, it's it's a big step up, isn't it? And like you said, it's got to be holistic as well. It's got to be on every level. Yeah. I mean, I find I, I also so, think that people people tend to we can become addicted, comfortable yeah. with our pain and with our sort of our abuse. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's a strange thing to be in a state of suffering um, and feeling it's like this cognitive dissonance of wanting to escape but then also feeling comfortable in it after a period of time. Yeah. Um, and that in itself is, is, a, is, is a huge thing to kind of undo because of our, our brain has been, we've, con we've told ourselves a certain story or narrative, yeah. albeit sub subconscious or conscious, mm -hmm. um, and that sort of pattern needs to be undone. So there's, there's so many sort of complexities and intricacies with regards to, to trauma and healing, and, and it's so layered. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, I would definitely recommend to anyone, to, you know, the listeners that, you know, it's, you don't have to, it's okay to, to ask for help. Um, and you don't have to go through what you're going through alone. I feel like, you know, it's, so many of us have this fear of, of seeking help and, um, no, I would just like to say that there are 
so many people out there in organizations um, and entities who are willing to to assist you in, in your healing. And it doesn't have to be, be done alone. There's so much support out there. Um, yeah, and, and I, I don't, yeah, I think that there's also the, an element of, you know, shame as well and, 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 and guilt yeah, of, of yeah. collective shame, yeah. Maybe, you know, if, of, you know, some, if you kind of realize maybe, oh, this is what I allowed in my life and this is why my life is this way and kind of feeling guilty about that and feeling ashamed. But, and, the, you know, there's, there's no shame in, admitting you know one's faults but as as long as there's a desire to move forward that's the most commendable thing and that's what you should really be focusing on yeah, um, yeah definitely yeah. It, it, it has to be that w will to move forward and sometimes that can only come with a catalyst of being shocked yeah um, by such an experience that was certainly like my personal experience of it. I, I was trying to hang on to a relationship because my son was like under two years old and it was like, I knew even before he was born that it was like, yeah, this, this, this person is violent, this person is abusive, this person has many, many mechanisms of ma manipulation, but I, I can't just get out of this because it's it's my unborn son. And then when he was born, it yeah. was like, whoa, I, I'm just like, this is the, the most important thing in my life now. <laughs> He's the most important thing in my life. And yeah. after that, it, it got worse and worse and worse. But there was a point where I, I didn't realize that, that my usefulness had been outlived. And then it was all of a sudden, it was like, yeah, all right, you know, you're out of there soon. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got, right. you've got to hopefully realize, no matter how difficult it is, if you're in an abusive relationship, that have that self-love and self-respect and self-care to identify that and no matter how tough it's going to get afterwards you've got to make that yeah. choice otherwise you're just going to be a whipping boy or a whipping girl you know for however long it takes for you to get yeah. ejected from that it's just it's, it's a no-brainer in the end but you only see that afterwards yeah. you don't see it while it's going on you fear it deep down in your soul. You fear that that's going to happen. And it's like, uh, I don't want that to happen. Because then you're holding yourself accountable for your own fallibility, for your own mistakes and that, oh yeah, yeah I was I was cheated. I was kind of, put, put I put myself in this position as much as I allowed that person to abuse me. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and on that, I think it's all you know. It's really important as well to 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 have a support system, some form of a support system. Yeah, afterwards. Yeah, um, yeah. because the, 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 these, these types of relationships it will generally cut off your support systems and your connections to family and friends and people that could support you. That is a natural aspect yeah. of an abusive relationship is they will cut you off and take you as far away from anybody that can support you as possible. But afterwards, yeah, yeah definitely. Because the people that truly love you will always be there for you. Afterwards, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they will, but... Yeah, sometimes it's 
you know, we tend to cut off the people that really do care for us. And yeah, sometimes those people then in, sorry, that can be coerced though by the abuser generally. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's important to try to maintain some form of support and connection with others. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I experienced in that front, I experienced being taken away from the family and friends and then having my means and things cut off, even like, uh, you know, like I had my laptop broken and smashed two or three times, or oh, accidentally, just so that I couldn't stay in touch with people, and like my phone broken and stuff, and just kind of like ways of cutting me off from anybody that, yeah. that I could relate to or could, I could meet up with or that could help me. And it became like, at the time it was like, oh, this is just like, oh, inconvenient or whatever. But later I realized it, it was all intentional. It was all part of this, this yeah. immature narcissistic game uh, that they play. So it was like, well, I thought it was like, oh, this is just strange. I can't understand what's happening. But it was literally orchestrated by a, a very sick mind, yeah. you know. So, yeah, you, you've got to beware if you're listening to this. Yeah, be, beware, watch for the little signs that if you are being taken away from any of your friends, your family, associates and people, then there's probably a pattern to it as well. So yeah, in terms of yeah. in personal trauma, it's um, it can get pretty dark, can't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> definitely. All right. So yeah, in in terms of healing as well, yeah, we, we talked about um, an approach whereby you literally in in the year or two after you, you if you've been through abuse or abusive relationship. You've got to go through a process of, of recovering yourself, haven't you? And getting to know yourself again. It's, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think about... Rediscovery. Yeah, what do you think about that process and, and how it works, Josh, of, of rediscovering yourself uh, and finding your feet again? I, you know, I think that, you know, it's basically you're going to have to... It's almost like rebuilding your identity because there would have been so much that was stripped away mm. from, you know, who you were as a person, um, what sort of kind of made you, um, you know, based on your identifications and, and so forth. And um, so there's, I think there's this really kind of, thing of kind of re reconnecting with yourself but then connecting with with the honesty that we spoke about kind of connecting with your yeah. more truer part of yourself more authentic part of yourself mm -hmm. something that is not based on your external any external sort of factors but more your internal um kind of inclinations and feelings um and that's that that can only happen in a in a space of clarity um yeah, 
so yeah i think from there it's it's a kind of a it's a process and a journey of a, a rediscovering of oneself and uh yeah. i guess that's uh, that's kind of what what life is in a sense that's how you can actually begin anew with your life is you begin this new whole new journey of rediscovering who you are and yeah. and living out your alignment i guess with with the world and with the universe yeah certainly yeah, uh, yeah that, certainly that's something that um i found as well uh, uh, since 2009 i've run these groups online and on facebook and other places and blogs and stuff for uh, post-concussion syndrome sufferers of, of concussive related brain injury and there's a similar uh, thing that echoes there where once you've been through that if you've been through three months plus of suffering with concussive illness where it's, it's prolonged and extended then you literally have to find yourself and discover your personality and everything all over again and uh, we have uh, a way of discussing this a model which talks about grief uh, the, the grief is grieving for your old self say if you were in a decent job like I was you know kind of not okay whatever part of life you're in and you had this injury your cognitive function changes everything you have pain and all kinds of other myriad of problems because it's in fact a syndrome of different issues then you find that you're unable, yeah. unable to do that same job anymore you may have to take a demotion or a side step or even stop working and then you have uh, a problem that comes up in your mind of, of like, I'm no longer of use. I can't do what I could do before. And sometimes this function never comes back. And then you're left grieving for your old self. Or I can't deal with my family. I can't deal with my children. I can't deal with my uh, marriage or whatever. I can't deal with my work. I can't do my professional work or what I used to do. But there are other things that have come up that I'm moving towards. So we say you become... Uh, this amalgamation of uh, bits of your old self with bits of your new self so you go through a grieving process yeah. and that that can take quite a while uh, a similar mm. is with um, coming out of an abuse abusive situation or an abusive relationship is it can take up to three years to, to reclaim yourself um, yeah. and I, I've known so many people I've dealt with hundreds thousands of people down the years and some of them have been very open and have, have communed with us and, and said, yeah, this is what I'm going through. And you see the pain every day. And I'm sure in groups where there are narcissistic abusive survivors and soci sociopathic relationship survivors, they do the same things and they, they talk about it in similar detail. And it, 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 to mm. me, it, it kind of echoes backwards and forwards. Although the two separate issues, there's, there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. Um, so the, gr the grief aspect with survivors of personal trauma and traumatic relationships and abusive relationships has those yeah very very relevant uh, aspects so i think that's helped me to understand a bit more um so in terms of um what else we wanted to talk about uh in terms of responsibility because we talked about healing already a little bit and how, how to holistically. And the responsibility, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but the responsibility for me always has to be on the survivor. Yeah. 
because no nobody else is going to take responsibility for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, abusers usually just stay that way, and um, you know, whatever we go through in life, we. We have a certain responsibility on how to handle those situations, and um, you know we can we can either choose to handle them in in a way that's beneficial to to our growth or or not, mm. and that's you know when same in the same way uh, with regards to trauma and abuse and, and healing and so forth um, that's why it does boil down to the survivors um, yeah, definitely. actions and responsibility you know well how many survivors either of traumatic abuse uh, abuse in relationships sexual abuse physical abuse how many people or give over their responsibility to doctors, psychiatrists, nurses, and specialists, and people like that, though. And anything yeah. they, they kind of, unfortunately, we're conditioned into doing this. And I'm not, I'm not denigrating any doctors or psychiatrists or psychotherapists and people out there, therapists and so on. There are some amazing ones, but they are in a minority. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're in a minority. There are some that do yeah. amazing work. Uh, and you know I could go through some names and people as well but the vast majority um, are in a, a corporate business uh, background and they, they have no real mm. knowledge or ability or wisdom or, or, or kind of desire to, to truly fix people they're just trying to they're just, yeah. do, they're just doing as they're told and it's not their fault generally unless they're very corrupt it's not their fault that they don't know how to help people. It's just what they've been taught that doesn't really work. But, yeah. but there will be some. You know, there are shaman, there are shower women, there are there are um, there are people mm. out there that, that can do amazing, get amazing results under the radar. But I think we, we I don't know what we think, but we've we've got a really long way to go in in terms of yeah. healing people for and. and like I say, p people generally give up the responsibility to, to the, the types of people that aren't responsible enough to heal them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there definitely needs to be a, a complete revamp of of that of our system of yeah. of healing and um, dealing with these sort of things, and, and that's why you know healing does need to be holistic and from a holistic perspective you know you know in things like you know reiki and mm. we yes we are conduits for uh healing energy mm. but there is still a responsibility from person being healed that you know they also need to work through actively work through the things that are that come up for them um 
So from a holistic sense, we are, you know, we are basically catalysts um, and kind of guides and and enablers for for healing to take place. But um, the responsibility lies with the with the person being healed um yeah definitely so and and, you know that's essentially you know just putting the power back into their hands um so it's if you look at it from that perspective it's it's actually a, a space of power to be in to be in control of your own of your own healing of your own growth um, of your own transformation. Yeah, I it's certainly, a way more empowering space to be in. Of, of course, I certainly experienced that from uh, yeah going through from two thousand and six to about two thousand eleven and twelve. I was in the hands of so called healthcare system over here, and it just it just nearly killed me uh, on more than one occasion. They lied to me. They tried to bribe me when they they found out that I knew I'd been lied to and, and all kinds of stuff. And it was just horrendous. It, uh, it was just like I discovered how deep, you know, kind of flawed that system was. When I made the conscious decision to leave it and to to look be responsible for my own healing, within a year I'd made absolute more progress than I'd made in the previous six years mm-hmm. and beyond. Um, but most people are so frightened to get away from um, kind of being coddled by that system and being yeah. dependent on it, that they'll, they'll go through hell just to stay in it. It's like being suckled mm. on, on this thing that's like, well, they'll wait, you know, kind of four, five, six months for one appointment and that appointment, they won't get satisfaction. They'll wait for the next appointment. They'll go for another, yeah. they'll wait for one more. And they, they don't make any progress because it's a compartmentalized system and they just get passed around from pillar to post. So, yeah, yeah I, I really do feel sorry for people that are, and I still know, you know, kind of associates and, and friends where they are still trapped in that. And I will never go to them and say, this is wrong, you need to just do this, that, the other. I might suggest they try certain things, but if they're not ready, mm. I, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, yeah, I just feel blessed that I, I got out at the right time and, and saved my own life. Um, and from then, you know, I don't rely on them at all. Sometimes you have, mm. to, you have to deal with that system, but they don't help me. They don't pay for any of the medicine that I need, the stuff that I need. I have to pay for it myself. And uh, it's like, well, I took back responsibility for my own health care. And, um, you know, if I have a serious problem, if I break an arm and a leg, I'll go to them because they can deal with trauma and so on. But I won't go to them for chronic illness or anything else like that. I won't go to them for emotional issues or therapy and stuff like that because you won't get it. Yeah. You'll just get showered with drugs and, and kind of, yeah, you know, their agenda. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting as well to say um, a few things about uh, like we talked about healing holistically and healing on that means every every level of the self, mind, body, soul, mm. spirit, and everything else as well. Because I think that that's coming more and more back in, into the forefront, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we've got functional medicine, herbalism. 
um, people using more different types of supplements which are in fact medicines uh, Reiki healing sound healing uh, all kinds of stuff tuning forks yeah. with, or, or just all <laughs> manner of things just endless things that are out there but of course you're always when you're looking at the establishment you're always up this against this barrier of the uh, the cult of the science not science not actual science but the cult of the science <laughs> and it's like this this oh the science says that's not possible it's like you know kind of yeah. like the cult says that's not possible uh, you know and if, yeah. if you heal yourself in this manner then it's just a placebo whereas you know um, <laughs> the cult says otherwise so uh, I don't know what you think yeah, about the that. gaslighting yeah. is real <laughs> yeah yeah they, they kind of like the science you know it's, it's like well yeah and you know like the cult the science <laughs> there's a lot of similarities <laughs> um, so uh, looking yeah. looking on as well on responsibility Josh um, what would you have to, to say to people about that that kind of subject about taking responsibility for their own healing what are your thoughts on that please You know, as I, as I mentioned before, it's, it's a really powerful um, position to, to be in and a task to undertake, mm -hmm. um, to, be in, to be the agent of your own healing and transformation. Um, because on so many levels, you are... You are you're you're impacting you you're creating this sort of yeah. wholeness and you know in the in the sense of the ancestral healing um, gen and then generational healing for your future generations um, because you know the work that you you end up doing is going to be is work that the future generations are, don't need to basically essentially deal with because mm. you're going to be, you've, you've made that investment for their future. Um, yeah. Um, and I mean, you taking on the responsibility for, you know, to be your own agent of healing is, inspires others to do the same for their own lives and for their own selves very true and if we can create this culture of taking ownership of of that we will i think we will see an exponential amount of growth as a society um and that will in turn Know, create more positive change mm. you know, once we, we hold ourselves accountable um, for the things that truly matter. I think that's very true, but isn't that really scary for a lot of people? I find that a lot of people are scared, scared to death of that. Because yeah, because I guess we, we, we don't really know how to do it. You know, we, we haven't been... Well, some of us do. We've been conditioned. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you, we, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that we we don't we're not used to doing this because we've been so conditioned living in the system that has uh, taken our power away. Yeah, and yeah, that's a good point. To be able to stand in your power and in self love and 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 be in alignment with your truth, that whole concept is like you said it's an extremely scary thing um because you know you know structures power structures like religion and you know within society mm. has in effect kind of demonized that and made it seem like it's completely wrong and yeah. um and selfish and Indeed, yeah. um you know it's just just had it's been given this bad image so to step out of that mold uh, is something that is really challenging, and that's why it's you know for for people who are you know at the forefront of of the of this sort of movement, if I can call it that, because it yeah, is yeah. in a sense like this this revolutionization of of the system. Um, it's important that we keep on you know keep you know raising our voices and yes. holding the space and allowing and encouraging others to to invest in their 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 healing uh, and be their own agents of change you yeah. know for the betterment of society as a whole as well yeah in my opinion ha- having us do that as as a society is going to be a, a really hard rebirthing and it's only when we're moving into uh, a new paradigm of medicine. And I think it's got to come. Uh, there's a very good book by a quantum physicist, Amit Goswami, called The Quantum Doctor. Uh, and you can find, if you're listening, you can find his stuff on YouTube as well. But Amit Goswami was at Berkeley. Very, very smart man, uh, in, Indian gentleman. Uh, but his, his book, The Quantum Doctor, details that the fact that, well, actually, like we've talked about holism and holistic healing, is not just necessarily uh, kicking out allopathic medicine, but saying, yes, that has its role to play. Because Western, yeah. Western medicine is all 90, 95% based around allopathy, drugs, surgery, radiation. So but he's saying, well, actually, Ayurvedic medicine, uh, sound medicine, uh, all these different types of things, herbalism, functional medicine, all, all of that, mm. uh, you need to use a whole lot. Use a whole damn yeah. lot. To heal a person, use as many tools as you've got, because you don't want to be stuck in that same paradigm as the same as the old Japanese saying, uh, when the when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail, <laughs> and that unfortunately that's where we are in the West. It's like just you know trying to treat everything the same way. So yeah, that, that there's a really powerful movement, uh, and it's already happening. The, the new paradigm is already yeah. underway. But the old paradigm is the one that we see in the media these days. And it is the one that says, well, oh, you know, don't try to use uh, means to improve your immune system to protect yourself against COVID-19. Just wait until we've got a vaccine or a drug that we say is, is useful to, to cure it. <laughs> it's that mindset. It's like, mm. well, you know, if you took so much, you know, 5,000 uh, NG of vitamin D a day, uh, you know, kind of, Two to three thousand milligrams of vitamin C. If you drunk cystosynchronous tea, took a little drop of iodine in, in some water every morning, 
uh, got the right sunshine, everything else, you'd have an immune system that would probably fight off most viruses, most problems. But no, don't do yeah. any of that. Just wait until Bill Gates or whoever tells you that he's got the answer and he'll inject the actual virus into you for free. <laughs> he'll charge your government £477 a time to, for each vaccine. But they'll actually in, inject you with the virus that they want to protect you against. And then, yeah. when you get sick, well, non, it's none of our business. We didn't do that to you. You know, you, you acquiesced. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this crazy uh, uh, antithesis of, of like, well, what you should do is protect yourself. Yeah. You know, if, if, you, if you get a phone call and, and, you know, somebody says, all right, there's a gang of people on the way to your home to, uh, you know, kind of attack you or kind of smash your windows and kind of rob you or whatever, you'd do anything you could to protect yourself. Uh, but what yeah. we're saying is, oh, let them come and kind of destroy your family's home and that. And afterwards, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of like provide you insurance and you know put everything right. So, you know, there's no preventative measures. It's just um, yeah. sh shock and fear, and you know, well, we'll we'll save you afterwards. And I feel that that yeah. that is the major part of what's wrong with um, Western medicine. <laughs> Like in China, you know, you, you'd only pay the doctors, you know, when you, your whole family was well. Well, wow. you know, you don't when when people are sick, you don't pay your bill, you don't pay a doctor's bill. You they have to get you well again. So it's like the incentive is on the onus is on, <laughs> the onus is on them to to make sure yeah. that everybody's well. You only pay them when you you. It's it's like the opposite of the west it's, it's just crazy yeah, know, in the west you only you pay when you're sick so you know it's just, it just seems to be yeah. bizarre all right josh next have you got any question other questions or anything any questions for me or is, is there anything else that you want to go through I've, i'm not um, i can't remember what was on your uh, your list <laughs> i think we've covered most of the Okay. Yeah, the topics. Um, Is there anything that's come up uh, from that that you, you, you really want to get into, or have you had enough? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've pretty much covered most of it. What do you, is there anything that you would like to, to add to the yeah. conversation? No, I think I think it's we've had a really good narrative about, and there's been a lot of parallels through the conversation about um, how we take personal responsibility for our own healing, both from trauma and traumatic abuse and abusive relationships and so on. So no, I think I think it's just been a, a really good chat. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to go too much into the stuff that's happening at the moment because it's covered so much everywhere, but um, yeah. There will be a lot. I think there'll be a lot of what we said that's, a, that's really of, of a lot of use to people as well, um, you know, because there there are massive parallels between being in an abusive relationship and now us collectively having an abusive relationship from the people that purport to govern us. You know, these people that we uh, we we let ourselves believe that we've elected. Yeah. You get a choice of two candidates every time. And the same people yeah, the same the same people blackmail 
through sexual and political and other types of blackmail, control both candidates. So like the old saying is, whoever you vote for, the government still gets in. <laughs> you know, and people say, no, you've got to go out and vote. You've got to go out and make your mark and make your choice. But I think, I think what we're, we're going to go through this next year is like seeing the, the death of democracy because it's, it's already been supplanted by these forces. And when they start to um, change our way of living and our way of society without our consent, then you know you're really fucked, you're really in trouble. <laughs> and I think that's, yeah. if we're not careful, that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, we're going to end up kind of living like the Chinese do with, uh, um, you know, 24-7 surveillance on a system of social engineering. Um, mm. You know, it, it could get, if you live in a city, I think now is probably, if you're not good with that, it's time to get out of the city uh, and try and live off grid or go off grid somewhat. Uh, I don't know what you feel about that. Yeah, I, I definitely think that is a it's a possibility if we don't, as a collective, uh, choose to, you know, raise our level of consciousness and, yeah. you know, because you know the things that happen to us in this going back in, in the beginning of the conversation we've been talking about, and what is the you know the 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 impact of of the subconscious sort of motivators for things and um the more that we as a collective can uh you know choose to awaken and Mm -hmm. heal and become aware of of what's happening um the more likely there is to be a positive outcome from everything that's happening right now it can go either way it's up to us. It's we are, we hold the power to yeah, to change this narrative. Indeed. So it's very important that we we choose to stand in our power and and make that positive change. Yeah, you know that that, that those are powerful words as well. It, it is literally up to us what we choose to believe, what we choose to uh, talk about. Uh, yeah, not everybody in our lives is going to understand that. Not everybody's going to get it, but it's important that we say it anyway. And if we come up against yeah. a brick wall with somebody, if we say something to somebody and they're like, oh, you know, shut up, you're a stupid conspiracy theorist, or, you know, kind of negatively, <laughs> passively abusive to us, then, you know, to not to go back there again. Don't, you know, don't don't cast pearls before swine. Don't try and go there. If somebody, yeah. that's maybe just a way of saying it but yeah don't try and um kind of hammer home your point to somebody but if they're not yeah. if they're not resonating with you then just just move along <laughs> there's always somebody else that will do i suppose yeah yeah so yeah well uh is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion anything at all that uh... <laughs> um yeah i think just uh want to reiterate that you know we all we all you know go through have been through abuse and trauma and and yeah i think it's you know it's just so important that Mm. 
we do make those take those steps to liberate ourselves and um that that is through that realization of your self-worth of your worth as a as an individual as a human being as a soul um as a vessel of, of infinite energy you know of love you know and once you realize that you change the whole story and you're able to write write a whole new book um uh, yeah <laughs> so yeah i think those will be my closing words <laughs> yeah wonderful words thank you yeah so yeah and it remains me to to thank you for just for being so generous with your time i know it's later over there than it is now um and i hope you've enjoyed yeah, that okay. I, i've enjoyed chatting to you I always do yes and uh hope hope yeah hope, great. Hope, yeah oh it has been great and i hope we can do this again as well and i know there's, there's always more to talk about you know <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think people will get tired of listening to it because yeah we, we seem to resonate with uh, so many truths uh and yeah. you know the pe people out there do do still want to hear truth there's people that don't want to tune into the mainstream and um and that's where you know we'll, we'll kind of find uh the main audience for this so yeah thank you thank you very much yeah and, and thank uh, you david thanks thank for, for you're most providing welcome. the platform and the opportunity no you're most welcome and you thanks know if, if, I, if i can encourage you to, to to go forward and do your own thing as well then that that's that will make it all worthwhile for me as well yeah definitely right, right so it just remains me to, to uh thank you and say good night josh god, right, bless. good night everyone <laughs> good night everyone